0: On this episode of Come Pray With Me, I interview artist, writer, and devotee Luna Eclipse. She will be teaching us about Santa Muerte, a figure from Mexican folk Catholicism. Meaning saintly death, Santa Muerte is a shrouded figure with a sight and a skeleton face, similar to that of the Grim Reaper. Over the years, Santa Muerte has gained a following across all borders, surpassing cultural differences and ways of life. This has also caused controversy, since she is not viewed as an official saint by the Catholic Church. Today we will be learning of her origins and separating the sensationalized from the truth. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you on.
1: Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you so
0: much. My pleasure. So my first question is, who exactly is Santa Muerte? Absolutely.
1: I'm so grateful that you came uh, and asked questions about Santa Muerte and and that your viewers want to, uh, or listeners, uh, want to hear more. Uh, uh, So Santa Muerte, um, we're just going to dive right in, by the way. So this is being recorded like a week after Day of the Dead a week after Halloween and all of this. Uh, and it was a pretty intense Scorpio new moon. Like we really uh, slammed into the underworld this past week. Um, so we're just going to dive right in because y'all are already in this space. Whether you're <laughs> whether whether you listening to this later on in the year or not, we're in this space now. So Santa Muerte is death itself. I'm just going to bring the house down. Uh, she is the personification of death. Um, she is that... Uh, how do I say, that the primal force of death, the primal force of nature, if you think about that, um, that primal force, that's like the mouth and the tail of the Ouroboros, and I'll probably get into this a little bit more later, uh, but it, it, it's that universal concept of breakdown, of being able to take something, breaking it down um, as, as nothing, nothing in nature, nothing in physics is ever destroyed, um, it's never completely destroyed. It's only ever broken down, reconfigured. That's it. It's like an exhale, a pause, and then an inhale. And Santa Marte is that, that releasing of the breath and preparation, uh, and even part of the inhale, the beginning part of the inhale. She is, she is that, that space, I guess you could say that, that transformational space where that breath starts, but she's not the one that then continues it. Into uh, fruition, so yeah, she is literally the personification of death. Santa Muerte is also known as La Santísima Muerte, uh, and that's translated from the Spanish as Holy Death. Uh, She's—I I guess you could say she's a pseudo deity, um, kind of. Uh, she's a force of nature, absolutely, and she's an unofficial, disavowed Catholic folk saint. Um, so she is definitely disavowed by the Catholic Church. Um, but she's worshiped by her followers in Mexico, a vast majority, lots of them, I should say, many of them are Catholic, um, are actually like very Catholic. Uh, and, and so they have a lot of these folk saints. And if, if you were to study, um, folk Catholicism, you'd be seeing a lot of that as well. So a lot of times they worship something, weren't they alongside other saints and angels and even Jesus and God and yada, yada, yada. Um, that doesn't mean that that's how you have to do it. Uh, Because her roots go all the way back to Mesoamerica, the Mexica of of Mesoamerica. And so to to kind of talk for just a moment about the Mexica, because it's important to specify some of this. I'm very, I'm very, uh, we'll talk later about cultural appropriation, I'm sure as well. Um, So I try not to do that. I try to make sure that I'm very specific about things. Um, You could say she's an Aztec deity, and I'll put that in air quotes but that misses kind of the forest for the trees because the Machica people were larger than just the Aztecs. Um, They covered a whole bunch of Nahuatl. You had uh, all sorts of different tribes that were kind of incorporated into this and they were all part of her roots. Um, So it's important to to understand that and you know to some degrees uh, even like maybe Toltecs or Mayans had some things to do with that as well. So um, among others I guess we should say so yeah, so she she was worshipped um as a, a specific goddess back then. Uh and so those are her roots. And I liken that to who you were at maybe uh 15 versus who you are at say 40, let's say. Uh you're gonna be two completely different people. Um and, and worshiping one is potentially honoring, it doesn't have to be honoring. Uh, but it should be uh, if you're actually truly seeing the person for the entirety of who they are. So, um, but yeah, hers is the fastest growing cult or religion in the world. And I use the word cult more as a mystery school, um, not as a literal cult. <laughs> uh, but but her worship is the largest growing in the entire world. Um, she's been moving out of Mexico and into the U.S. since at least the 90s um, in, in a more open sort of way. Uh, And ever since then, everything's just been taking off. People have gotten, Hollywood just loves her. And we'll talk about that in a little bit as well, but like, uh, she's featured in all these different things, in all these different ways. Um, and so her modern church right now originates out of Tepito, Mexico. And so you can actually see on YouTube and, and other articles, whatever, uh, ways that they actually work with and um, and honor Santa Muerte. Uh, and so I, in in everything that I do and everything that I say, everything that I teach, I always say you should go back to the roots. You should always take it back and and really... Uh, see what people are doing and try to do it that way. And there's a very good reason for that. Um, We are brought up, even just in the US, even people who are maybe second gen, um, you know, from Mexico, they'd still be brought up with this oftentimes uh, this type of Eurocentric ideologies. It's in our philosophies. It's in our schools. It's, it's, it's how we look at the world. It's even in, if if you're a native English speaker and not a native Spanish speaker, or if you're a native Spanish speaker and maybe not a native novel speaker or a native, you know, um, from one of those tribes, you're not going to see the world the same way. Our, um, our language shapes our brains and our brains shapes how we see the world. And that also shapes how we interact with the world. So it's important when you work with a deity like Santa Muerte, who is based out of uh, the roots of these other cultures, it's very important that you're able to place some of that, um, I already know this, to the side. Everyone knows what death is, but do you really? Um, so when we're talking about culture aspect, cultural aspects of death, um, in Mexico, they had let's just say still even, <laughs> uh, it, there's so much closer to it. People will die in their homes with their families, not in some white room sur- surrounded by machines and nurses and no one else. Um, I mean, you'll still have that, but there's still a lot of this cultural understanding of death because you've seen it. Um, you know, the, you're know, you also closer to death when you step out your door. Uh, anyone could get killed for any number of reasons. You just might be in the wrong place at the wrong time that can also happen in some cities in the US um but still like like the differences between you know that might happen i mean it just happened for some people in cancun uh recently i read about which was surprising. Um, like, like there's all sorts of things like this that'll happen. Uh, so they're a lot closer to death. And then they also honor death differently than we do. Um, as a society, we uh, in the US, let's say try to, and I'm, I'm currently living in Europe, but even here, we run from death. We don't embrace it. We usually look at death as something Um, that we need to escape. We want to escape uh, the clutches of aging. We want to like make ourselves look younger and blah, 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 blah. And we try to constantly forget that death is always there. And that's actually a part of the cult of Santa Muerte. And that's actually also something that if you were uh, not raised in that, it's very easy at that point um, to kind of just go along with the things that you've always, um, this is this and that is that. If you're working with Santa Muerte, you definitely need to open yourself up to different ideas surrounding things you already understand at a very basic cultural level, because they're going to be different. And that's how you avoid cultural appropriation, generally speaking, just from the mental perspective. Of course, you always have to uh, help um, her people, always have a heart for her people and to help the downtrodden. That's part of Santa Muerte too. But we'll get into that in a minute. So her uh, Mesoamerican roots go back to basically the, the Mexica. Um, And she was a goddess there. She was the goddess of the underworld, of death and the underworld, Uh, but she was queen of the underworld and their underworld was called Miklan. Um, And I believe there were like, there were different levels and things to it as well, but she was basically in the the lowest level of Miklan. I believe there were 13, uh, but I'd have to double check that. Um, It's been a little while since I've gone into that part. Uh, Her name was, um, I'm going to say what I was taught by my teacher. Uh, my teachers, pardon me. And so I was taught by a Mexican Brujo um, and also a Mexican Curandera. Uh, And so I've been taught sort of two separate ways of looking at Santa Muerte. Curanderismo is generally speaking to like boil it down into a very simplistic thing. Generally speaking, a little more focused on healing. Brujidia is generally a little more focused on conjure, but they really kind of are two sides of the same coin um but they are kind of looked at in those uh, a lot of times even in mexican culture the brujo can sometimes be like uh you know the darks um sorcerer and you know the the conjurer maybe and the curanderismo is sometimes the healer the uh, medicine man uh, more favored and sometimes even uh works with the catholic church on occasion um and so it's it's not fair to distinguish them that way and I'm not exactly trying to. On the other hand, there is a slight differentiation. So uh, seeing it from those two perspectives is also helpful. Seeing it from the Catholic perspective, well. from Catholic magic push perspective is also helpful because that's part of who she is now. Um, but uh, so I've been taught both of these. And, and the way I've been taught to say her name is uh, and that uh, Siwal. Uh, another name for her that other devotees, also from Mexican lineages, uh, will swear that her name is only, Mixtecasawal. And so I'm just going to cover this right now so we can get out of the way. Uh, there were so many different regions that would practice, um, you know, way back in the 1500s, 1400s, um, before the, the conquerors came. Uh, you had, you know, a lot more sinistry going on. Uh, But you still had different tribes that were separated, and that was just the reality of it. And so um, as that cult went underground after the cult Conquerors came, which we'll talk about again in a minute, um, a lot of times that was passed down through family lineages, and some of that's regional. And so just like uh, the way that maybe the person that taught me a lot about Santa Muerte uh, stuff, uh, he he was Nahuatl descent, uh the way he says things might be slightly different than the way someone else says it in a different way a uh, different part of mexico um and some things are even lost so uh, i'm not here to debate about is it or i think it's either one i think that both are acceptable um because both come from the native roots and it's kind of like in, in a lot of things with santa Muerte, you'll get a lot of very specific differences like like minor but specific differences between uh, different lineages where it's been passed down. And in that, I just defer. I say, you know what? It's all fine. All of it doesn't make a difference. So just know it can be Miklanstival or um And her husband was um And he was um, he was depicted usually like eating a body, kind of almost Saturnian. Um, and that was something that I even recently covered a little bit. We went into depth with that with my patrons this, this month. Um, and what that means and what going through the underworld actually means you're leaving behind the worldly things and all of this, disconnected from all of that. Uh, she would, sw- her her mouth was often depicted gaping, open, swallowing the stars from the sky. Um, so that's kind of how that worked. She was the guardian of the bones. Uh, she was the one essentially who would allow the bones to have life again. And that's why we're here. We're reincarnated from those bones. However, she's not the one who gives life. She is death itself. And back then she was the, I guess you could say more of a goddess type figure of death. So yeah, she eventually had to go underground. Um, so she's the embodiment currently today of death. And back then she was more of the bringer of it or the person in the underworld. So, um, so anyway uh the the spanish conquest happened uh her cult ended up having to move underground so um essentially the conquerors were like hey we need you people over here to start worshiping our gods in our way and that just that did not go down well at all um and there were uprisings constantly about these things um and, and so what happened eventually was a kind of forced syncretization um where essentially The people, uh, the Mexica peoples, either converted wholly to Catholicism or what pretty much happened was more they converted their gods and goddesses to converge with the saints um, and with the, quote, gods and goddesses of Catholicism, which would be Jesus and Mary and all of that. And it wasn't terribly hard for them to do that, as with other cultures, it hasn't been terribly hard to merge these things together. Uh, but with that, there comes a little bit of a blending. With that, there be, there comes a little bit of a loss. So as Mictlansiwal was goddess of the underworld and death, she had a counterpart, which she does, Santa Muerte does today as well, Lush, verdant, abundant energy, energy um, of like the hills and all of that energy of birth, of renewal, that green goddess sort of energy. Santa Muerte is the, let's say, uh, predecessor, I guess, of Santa Muerte is Miqlansiwal, predecessor of Our Lady of Guadalupe, uh, was Tonansi. And so that's kind of how some of that works. And you can actually still see that play out. A lot of the people that work with Santa Muerte, even if they're not religious, will sometimes also work with Our Lady of Guadalupe uh, because she just doesn't, she doesn't have a very strict Catholic energy. Even Mary, in my opinion, generally doesn't, but some places have a stricter feel of Mary. Um, Our Lady of Guadalupe just is really chill. Uh, and so a lot of times people will work with both of them and even put them on the same altars. Although I think that having a specific home for both of them is best. Um, so j- just talking about that for a minute, Santa Morte works really well with any saints, any Catholic, quote, deities, um, angels. Uh, she also works really well with the Orisha because there was also a syncretization going on there as well. Um, You had slaves brought over to the new world uh, from Africa and they brought their religion and their ancestors with them. Um, And actually on my YouTube, I go in, I have a huge interview with someone, uh, friend of mine, who's an Ifa priestess. And we talk a little bit about that because uh, the colors of Santa Muerte, aside from your red, white and black, which are your three major colors of Santa Muerte. And those go all the way back to her ancient roots. Aside from that, though, her her modern color system, uh, multicolored robes and all of that, that is essentially descendants of the seven African powers in a sense. Although you never need to work with anyone aside from Santa Muerte uh, if you decide to work with her because she's a full magical system in herself. I'll probably say that many times just to remind people. So yeah, so she's still queen of the underworld. She is still all things death. Um, she, she's just literally everything. She's all the things death that you could, if you think of all the different underworld deities, men, women, it doesn't matter. If you think of, uh, anything surrounding just the concept of death, think about death in like comic strips, like death in Sandman or death in, you know, whatever she's all of that combined, like anything related to death, that's her, um, so yeah, as, as her cult moved underground, there was a syn- synthesis going on with the saints. You did see some emergences of her uh, throughout the annals of history, like um, in the seventeen mid-1700s, I believe it was, they had a bunch of Catholic probationers who went into the streets and they were beating an effigy of a, a skeletal bride in the streets, demanding favors of her. Uh, this goes into a type of cultural practice that they do with Santa Marta, any any Catholic thing does this. Actually, I personally don't agree with it. It's not how I do things, but it is authentic. Um, and it was called saint shaming. Uh, and so sometimes even today, you'll see people if they have like even certain saints, they'll if they don't feel like those that saint is responding to their prayers, they might turn that saint to face the wall or turn them upside down on their head. Um, and that means that, um, and, and it's various things. So it might mean that like the lady of the house is having love, love trouble. So she put, I forget his name. One of the saints does the thing. You put him on his head and, uh, <laughs> um, I've never done this. Uh, they might also cover them with a cloth on the altar. Um, because you know, bad saint, you're not doing what I asked you to do. I'm burning candles for you. Blah, 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 blah. I'm saying these prayers. Um, I, I think that's a little short-sighted personally, but I'm not going to diss it whatsoever, because it clearly works for some people and it clearly has for a long time. So this was an extreme version of that, where they would take that skeletal bride out into the streets and beat it. And like, that was actually documented supposedly by one of the friars of the age. Um, And then you had another emergence, and I say this is more of her cult, more of her ideologies, uh, emergence in the early 1900s with the La Catrina movement. And I'm forgetting the artist's name off the top of my head, I should have written it down but uh, Jose Posada, something like this, Um, I'd have to double check it on, on, uh, look it up or something, but uh, he basically was an artist who was depicting these fancy dressed women of the period, or men, oftentimes it was women, because we're, cute you know uh (laughs) uh, he would depict them dressed in their fancy attire their fancy dress uh but they would be skeletal because they're dead and it's basically saying yeah you know at the time there was a lot of class division as there still is and there was a, a political type movement class movement going on where it's like well you can have however much wealth you want it doesn't matter when you're dead Like, what are you doing? I mean, today we might say eat the rich. It's kind of a similar thing, except this was like the Mexican version of that like over a hundred years ago or whatever. So you'll see a lot of that come up though, because that is also part of the ideology of her cult. And even some of that uh, symbolism, is, is alongside her cult. Like it, it all works together with what she does. She's that transformation. Death is the point of transformation. Uh, it is the point of, I'd say, the most power because you're breaking things down that are not serving you anymore to put them back together into something that is creation that serves you. So that point is the point where you have the most power. It also is the point where you feel like you don't have the most power. Uh, so it's, it's a very interesting dichotomy between the two. And then she, she resurfaced again a little bit, I think in the 1950s, it was in like more um, hush hush sort of ways. Like you saw her emerging here and there just as, as statues or, or worship or whatever, but people were very quiet about it because um, even now, if you are to go to Mexico and say things like, oh, I work with Santa Muerte, it's, it can be frowned upon depending on where you're at. And some people don't even know who you're talking about, or they pretend they don't know who you're talking about. Um, so it's, it's, it's still something that's pretty hush. It's still something that's a bit taboo working with things like that. And a lot of that is honestly the church's fault, uh, because they do actively call demonize her. Essentially they demonize her, they demonize her, her followers. And I don't think it's any wonder that her cult is, is becoming one of the fastest growing. I, I mean, it says in some places it is the fastest growing in the entire world. And I would believe that because if you look around, how many people don't have power, don't believe that they have power anymore over themselves, over their destiny, over what they're able or not able to do in life, over if they can even have a roof over their head or food on their plate. And, you know, even now, like we see a lot of her imagery that we might have seen back in the 1300s with the plagues and all of that, since we're still going through COVID. I know over here we have all these lockdowns all over again. People are freaking out again, and rightfully so. But uh, it's this, this dance with death, this fear of death, but this dance with death. And so some of her imagery also does come out of Um, Europe, uh, you know, and that that's the Catholic roots. Those are secondary. And I always try to make sure people are aware of that. It's always important when we're talking about a deity who's descended from a primordial, uh, she is a primordial deity, truly, uh, primordial being, primordial saint, however you want to put it, but her roots go back to that Mesoamerican deity uh, when she was Um, and so it's important that that's first. Uh, Secondarily is her Catholic style magic and she does have a lot like a a lot of who she is today is based off that so you can't I, I also say that if unless you have Aztec Mexica, Aztec, Nawal, some sort of like blood in you and you also understand how to work with those very primal deities that crave sacrifice and blood Don't work with them. You can honor them. But if you're working with that type of deity and you you mess up, you make it mad, that's terrible. So I always tell people, especially if you don't have that type of blood in you, only work with Santa Muerte. Santa Muerte is an open open system, as we say, an open system of magic. I would say it's it's mostly open. (laughs) It's not closed. Um, There are some things that are closed. Santa Muerte magic is not closed. Um, But it is something that you have to pay very close attention to. Um, You have to be sure that you are not committing cultural appropriation, essentially. So, yeah. Uh, And that kind of brings me to today um, and kind of how people look at her and how they work with her. Um, And and as you can see, like everything just sort of um, transformed over the ages. Santa Muerte is kind of like Madonna. I like to joke around and say this because um she's constantly evolving constantly changing to meet the times um constantly uh embracing this or embracing that so that she can continue to evolve because death is something that's always there death is something that will always evolve alongside of us it's not something that's ever going to be like oh yeah death they had to worry about that back in the 1300s huh we don't have to worry about that today everyone is going to meet death every single one of us will see her face she will reap every single one of us and that's kind of the point the entire point of Death, you know, why why would we want to work with death? They might find this concept a bit morbid death is power It's transformation. It's the mouth and tail of the Ouroboros coming together in that point of the void in that point of fusion in that point of um, If we're talking about things that are more Gnostic. I'm also uh, In in the OTO. So you would talk about, you know, that the tree of life you have uh, the Ain the ain soft and the Ain soft or you have like these veils of consciousness and they're basically saying something wasn't then something was and then something could be or not to be (laughs) that's essentially what it's saying um and same same thing with everything else so same thing with this death uh, is that power and that transformation that point where we get to decide yes or no (laughs) is this going to be something or not something are we going to sacrifice this to allow for this? Or are we going to continue with this? And you, there's all sorts of, you have to empty your cup in order to move forward, essentially. And that's kind of the same idea there. It's that point of transmutation. And, you know, as is the point of the greatest change, a breakdown, uh, reintegration through regeneration, uh, it's also the point of the greatest power as well. So human beings, uh, we all know that death is a sure thing. Many of us have seen death. Many of us have been through a kind of smaller death in our lives. A lot of people who work with Santa Muerte are those who are have been downtrodden by society have had nowhere else to go have gone through death either figuratively or literally and that's something that's incredibly common and so something that should be also common among devotees is this concept of class action to a certain degree like no one should have to suffer we should all be united in this this concept of let us make sure that everyone has a fair shot at life at a good life and that's essentially her whole point. So many of us have ex- experienced these intense figurative deaths internally. Many of us go through those cyclically. You should be if you're growing, even though it kind of sucks, but it's part of growth. And if you don't go through that, then you're really not growing. So uh, we all know this transformational power it holds. Uh, many who've experienced this, even though it can be one of the hardest things a person goes through and cyclically, it will be hard every time. they end up craving a lot of times this whole experience because at the end you get to know its mysteries. And that's actually kind of a really big deal is the mysteries of death, the understanding, the knowing, the knowing of thyself, the being able to shed skin so you can actually understand yourself and understand others um, and understand how to make things happen in your life and then how to make things happen in the lives of others. Um, And, and, you know, you can take that and continue and and spin off that into whatever it is that your sole purpose is for being here. So essentially, when we befriend quiet darkness, the darkness of the void and death, um, it'll give you power and truth, uh, not just of the universe itself, but also within your own being, like I was saying. So you, you must transform your inner darkness and your inner fears to truly be able to embrace the mysteries and the power of death. And that that goes one skin at a time. And that's what Santa Muerte will do for you. That's what Santa Muerte does with her deep expertise. She takes them inside their own layers, one at a time. And you're just constantly going deeper and deeper into your mysteries as a sacred being. And her mysteries as also a sacred being, but also as this transformational, literal power. It, it, it's one of the major powers of the universe. If you talk about life and death. Those are your, what people usually refer to as the two major powers of the universe. I'm very much simplifying that because it's, it's, not a, it, it's more of a spiral or a circle rather than this or that. So there's always varying degrees, but it, it is a very transformational power. So uh, the mysteries of death and Santa Muerte, they're very personal. And so that, that's part of it. One part of, of working with Santa Muerte and, and understanding and befriending death is being able to honor her magic, her way, her people, and to you know help the downtrodden and all of that. Uh, the other is also, and so that's honoring her roots. But then the other is also saying there are interpersonal secret mysteries with Santa Muerte. She will show you things your way as well, because that's how you connect. That's how a relationship works. And so as a devotee, just to make sure we're not doing cultural appropriation, we teach what is roots as these are native sacred roots. And this personal gnosis over here is my own gnosis from from working with death. It's proof that I'm on the path. And that's kind of the difference here uh, between those two. You, you need to blend both of them in a way that is, is personal to you and unappropriative. So death comes for us all. But in the meantime, she wants us to live a good life before she comes to reap us and end that life. Because all things have to come to an end. Because, again, we must be broken down and reconfigured and transformed and move on to the next incarnation, whatever that might be. Santa Muerte can only embody death. That's another sacred mystery of her. That's one of the first sacred mysteries that you would learn. Um, she can only embody death. She is death itself. So the one thing that she cannot have is life. Um, she cannot have it or experience it truly. So therefore, it's the one thing that she truly holds sacred. So when we talk about worshiping death, what we're saying is life is a gift, and we're supposed to take that and hold that sacred. That is the very first tenet of Santa Muerte worship. So what are
0: some of the different ways that her devotees show their devotion? I know you've uh, mentioned a couple.
1: Yeah, uh, I am going to get a little specific, though, because when we were talking about the roots, we have different roots of her magic. And I try to be really clear about that. You know, have the Catholic roots, which are we definitely work with those. So if you do any type of Catholic style magic already um, or, or even high magic or like I was saying, I'm a part of the OTO. Any sort of high magic like that ceremonial magic uh is kind of based in this hermetic um even alchemical type stuff all, all of that even grimoires I uh, think catholic all of this actually is related to the Catholic Church. if I was to go into much more detail and, and talk about history and things like that uh sometimes it's it's in a negative way, but it, it really does all of that orbits around the Catholic Church, and that's how it was brought over to the new world that was that's one link to santa muerte the way she wears her cloaks um and looks like the grim reaper that comes out of that actually um her imagery a lot of times does come from that um take it another you know, veil further, uh, and you have, you know, a little bit of, of the uh, seven African powers coming over to help her color system. Um, and, and some of that's also going to go with a little bit of the conjure magic that that Bruhidia works with. But then if we take it another, you know, another layer further down, then we have Bruhidia literally, <laughs> and Coranderismo. Um, and those actually share a, a very common, obvious uh, root itself, Um, which is basically just like shamanistic magic of Mesoamerica that predates Eurocentric anything. Uh, And and so keep taking it back from there. Then you can take her all the way back to the very spark of consciousness uh, and possibly even the spark that created everything potentially, depending on how things came to being, wherever that spark was that created something and something that was and something that was not. Um, something that could be created and something that had to be broken down. And so that's, that's actually where her roots completely go to. Uh, And so if we look at this, um, I'll just say, and I know you have something about altars later on that we'll be talking about, uh, but I'm just going to go right there and say your, your most sacred altar, your most sacred space, your most sacred devotion to her is your life, your body, and your bones. Your bones, your skeleton is the most sacred altar to Santa Muerte. It is in her image. Uh, It reminds you that you are not here forever, Uh, not in this incarnation anyway, but the pieces of you will always be there forever until pieces of everything just cease to to exist anymore. Um, That consciousness will always live within those pieces. That's one aspect of this, I suppose, Uh, one that we like to come back to a lot. Uh, That's also our birthright. Every single one of us, we have a birthright of death. If you're born, you're going to die. <laughs> so that's why Santa Muerte magic is not a closed system. It's an open system. Death is Death comes for us all. She just wants us to have a good life before she comes for us. The only part of the system that would be considered pseudo closed is the part that's more native and that's only because it needs to be protected so that's part of in my opinion that's part of being a devotee protect that you preserve it and you help it to be passed on in its entirety uh as much as can including including these you know mindset changes that you have to do if you start looking at things you have to see it from their perspective um, so it, it is in and of itself a breakdown reconfiguration it's a transformation just learning about her, and that's one of the sacred acts uh, that you can do to show devotion. So, practicing magic and devotion with her devotion is basically just honoring, um, showing the value that you place in something. I suppose that's a devotion. I was going to say love, and that's true too, um, but it, it can be even more than that. Um, so, devotion is the act of basically acknowledging something as sacred. And acknowledging it often it's a relationship. So honoring her roots, learning her roots, honoring her people, uh, helping the downtrodden. She really loves when you give back, I guess. Um, And that can be all sorts of ways, time, energy, money, resources, anything. Um, But I've seen a lot of devotees she really does if you have the means want you to like save some money give it individually here and there to the homeless or you know one place i was at i saved money every week and would give it away to a homeless shelter or you know things like this um I even did that with things at the border uh, when when they were, they still are places that'll help uh, with with family separation and things at the border. These are the type of things, um, helping uh, people who are LGBTQ, especially trans rights. You know, these are things that she really has a heart for. These are her people. (laughs) Um, The Mexican people are absolutely her people. And anyone who's downtrodden is also absolutely her people. And, And a lot of times we don't even know who it is who's downtrodden in our our society. We can't see what people go through. Um, so keep that in mind as well. Uh, but she really does like to have fun as well. She really loves um, like some people I, I've done this, uh, you know, turn on some music and just dance in front of her altar. Uh, she loves that any sort of anything that's life, anything that's joy, celebration, even your tears, you can even sacrifice your sacrifice. We'll talk about here in a minute because it's a big key. Um, but sacrificing your tears to her, anything like that. So letting her in your life and building a relationship with her is key to devotion. And that extends into all areas of life. I always wear her at least there. Um, a lot of times I might wear her in my hair or today I have one of her bracelets on. Um, is a rosary bracelet. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I like to always have her as part of me. She's always a part of me. Uh, and that's it. That's an act of devotion in and of itself. She's allowed in any area of my life that she wants to be in. Um, let me just see if I'm missing anything. I wrote some of these down so I don't forget them because sometimes I can just keep talking forever. Um, but yeah, so anything that's the essence of life is what she wants because she's death. She cannot taste life unless it's through you. So an act of devotion needs to show her, let her taste life. Water is one of the key elements of life, so it's one of the key elements on our on our altars. But other things that might give you life. Some people uh, it can be pot. I mean, it's legal some places. <laughs> she loves that. Um, she loves uh, alcohol. She loves her tequila. She loves cachaca. I've been to Brazil several times. My husband is Brazilian, so um, I always bring back cachaca. She loves it. She loves dancing. She loves feasting. She loves. Um she loves sweet things she loves cigars cigarettes even I don't personally smoke cigarettes but I've had people leave cigarettes many times on the altar for her in my house and they just stay there because she loves them uh, she loves the smoke from things if, if you can do that I choke on smoke but um, <laughs> that's a traditional way to, to work with her uh, and to show devotion and if you can give her this essence of life the more you can do that the more she's able to transmute that into blessings for you or into helping you or action or protection for you and I'll talk about that here in a second too because it's almost like a bank account but she'll enrich your life with what you feed her so she she is a deity that needs fed. Uh, almost sometimes the energy can feel almost like a black hole, not in a negative way, just in a general sort of way. She really does like attention. Sometimes people say she's, um, oh, I don't know, a little difficult or a drama queen, and I disagree. I think that she just has high expectations, but also high yield. So working with her, you want to make sure that you do exactly as you say you're gonna do, especially with sacrifices, uh, especially with things that you're gonna do with her. Uh, she really looks forward to it, almost like, you know, a child will look forward to you saying, yeah, we'll play baseball tomorrow. You don't want to be like, oh, mm, we'll do it later. You know, you got to do it. Same thing on the She really loves the time and the energy spent. And it is like a bank account. So I've seen this happen with people um, and a lot of people who are in things like with um, orisha's or even Loa, uh, it can act this way, where you keep feeding this relationship. And as this relationship, it develops almost like a bank account. It's almost a wrong way to look at this, but for uh, it's not good to look at it that way, as in like, I must do this. Uh, you want it to come from your heart. But just to display like what I mean here, the more energy that's built up there, the more energy that's going to be readily accessible to you. So And luckily, it's going to happen fast because Santamorthe deities like this are on a primal nature. They're here on Earth with us. Uh, Whereas other deities, like some of the Greek deities, they may be more celestial energy and the energy takes longer to trickle down. They're not as connected, depending on where you go in the world. Um, I know if you go to their shrines. That's a little bit different. You can make shrines, but, um, and that's also why we do altars so that we can be instantly connected with that energy. It's a quicker thing. It's also psychological, but essentially like if you're in a place where you need protection immediately, she can do that right there. She doesn't have to worry about not having enough energy to be able to do that. Um, Especially with death, because if you think about it, when she touches something, it could die. (laughs) Uh, And so when we get into types of works and of magic, any sort of hex or hex breaking with Santa Muerta, you always have to consider that death is always an option, always a possibility of an action of yours. So you always have to be very honest with yourself and honest with your magic. What are your intentions? And are you willing to do this even if it means that your intentions are broken, even if it means that, you know, this good intent you had for nothing bad to happen, if you do this, it's, it might happen. And, and if you ignore that, then you're ignoring your intent. Uh, so this is sort of things that you really have to take serious when you work with something Muerte. She will absolutely require shadow work of everyone who works with her because you cannot, if you allow your fears If you allow your triggers, if you allow the things that have happened to you, if you allow your past, if you allow uh, emotions, anything that's orbiting you to actually control you, you are not in control of your magic. Your shadow is. And most people who walk this world are not in control of their magic. Most regular people, most magicians, most sorcerers, most of them are not in control of their magic. Santa Muerte will absolutely require that of you. That's part of devotion. So meditating with her is good. She will open to the secrets of her mysteries. Uh, And like I was saying previously, Santa Muerte is a full magical system. I might say that again. Uh, You don't need to work with anyone else to work with her. A lot of people get turned off by the Catholic magic of things. Um, Think more techniques uh, that are based in what we would maybe call Catholicism. Um, But she was syncretized into the Catholic church. She does not originate from it. She is the the teacher that taught Jesus death. Essentially, this is lore again. But basically, when he would, if we're following teachings of the Christian Church, and he went down into you know descended into the underworld, she's the one that taught him how to quote overcome death. So she even has dominion over him. Uh, so so in that case, that's also probably why the Catholic Church doesn't really like her too much. Um, but she's a full magical system in herself. You can work with the red, white, black, or even multicolored aspects of Santa Muerte. Work in her more native ways. Look to bruhidia curanderismo, uh, things like limpias and conjure and spell work. Uh, her sacred symbols, working with those, working with colors, working with numbers, candle magic, herb magic. Uh, we talk about prayers here in a little bit, but a lot of people use prayers basically as petition magic. That's also working in native ways. A lot of conjure aspects of Brujidia and are going to look kind of similar to like American Southern conjure it can in certain ways. And so that's like their cousin uh, systems, I guess you could say. So there's ways to do that that are even a bit separated from the roots of Bruhidia, if that's hard for you to access Um, And it might be, honestly, because that can be a little closed. So working in her more Catholic ways, very definitely ways to work with Santa Morte and show devotion. That would be looking to any sort of Catholic or ceremonial magic type things. Um, And again, it doesn't need to have any religious aspects connected. Doing novenas, working a rosary, these types of things are all Catholic magic. Um, Even petitions to some degree, the way that we phrase those for Santa Muerte magic is going to sound a little more Catholic. Um, it doesn't have to. You can definitely make them more conjure-based petitions and work them on a rosary. And the rosary is a, just a tool. All of these things Are just tools and techniques. That's it. The only type of spiritual emphasis put on them is what you choose to put on them. Um, And so that's important to talk about as well, a little bit, because a lot of people do get turned off by that. And it shouldn't have to be a dogmatic thing at all. So let's talk for a moment about sacrifice before we move on, because it's a very important aspect of Santa Muerte worship. Since she was death, as I was saying, everything she touches becomes devoid of life. She requires the sacrifice of life to fuel our lives with her power. Uh, Historically, these sacrifices may have been life itself, you know, when she was Miklan Siwal, you would actually sacrifice people, but in modern worship, we've evolved to incorporate more common sacrifices, such as objects, acts of service, money, she never has required blood, ever, if for whatever reason she ever would, you could easily go to a butcher. And just get some blood that way um i've never seen her require things like this not that she wouldn't just that i don't i've never seen it and i've worked with her for a long time and been around people who have so sacrifice has changed it's still sacrifice though and it's still that essence of life so as with incorporating love languages to give and receive love there are many ways that you can offer sacrifice as well so after all sacrifice is just The act of showing love and devotion to someone or something, you might even sacrifice some time to be with someone that you love, even when you'd rather be doing something else. That's also an act of devotion. So even feeding her gratitudes, uh, saving up money, these types of things. Uh, helping people who are less fortunate than ourselves, volunteering at a soup kitchen, even Santa Muerte actually really loves photo shoots. (laughs) Uh, So that's one fun way that you can, you know, show devotion to her. She often loves sharing morning coffee. That's something she had. She loves coffee, Uh, anything that makes you feel alive. Uh, So dancing for her, playing her music, making music for her specifically. I know many devotees who do that, actually. Uh, She loves anything that gives life as it's the one thing she cannot have since she is death. Sacrifices and offerings that are life itself are the most sacred to her. So there's many ways to give sacrifices and offerings to Santa Muerte as there are devotees, truly. Uh, But some of her favorites may be flowers, money, cigars, tequila, acts of devotion, chocolate and sweets. A lot of times when I do these things, I do this for her. <laughs> I do this for her and for people who are you know, looking to be devotees. So to honor her, just give her anything that is of life. What she craves is the essence of life. All of it. Joys, pain, laughter, sorrows, um, anything that's really weighing me down, I'll leave it at her feet to be composted. Um, It's still energy. It's still sacred. Even the things that we don't like going through in life are still sacred and they need to be honored. And by doing that, I always place them at her feet. So um, yeah, sharing herself while while you share the essence of life with her. That's essentially uh, the concept of a relationship. And that's what
0: devotion is. So earlier you mentioned um, Catholic roots and some of her devotees use rosaries. Could you elaborate a little more on this and explain how they use them in their faith? Oh, absolutely.
1: Um, So I'll talk real quick about a rosary. A rosary is uh, basically, it comes from the Latin word rosarium, which means rose garden. So it refers to a garden of prayers, meditations, Uh, And in original bead rosaries, each bead may have been even carved to look like a rose or made from crushed rose petals. That's a very ancient way of doing that. Um, And I don't have any that are actually. I did have one that was made out of petals. I should look it back up. I don't know where it went. This is a nice one (laughs) from Mexico, actually. Beautiful. Uh, and the, they, they can be made of anything. They can, And I'm, I'm showing the camera, but some of you are maybe not seeing this. But they can be made from anything. The one I'm showing currently is glass beads. I bought it at a dollar store at one point, And I just swapped the cross out on the bottom with an image of Santa Muerte. And I swapped the middle three-way connector out with a three-way connector of Our Lady of Guadalupe with a rose on the other side. Roses are sacred to Santa Muerte and Our Lady of Guadalupe so yeah the other one is a wooden rosary with knots in it and then it has a cross at the bottom and i believe that's out of a coconut shell then you have the string rosaries these are very easy to make actually you can make it take some time but you can make them just with some string that's it and you make them with knots and you do it a certain way uh, and you can also do the version that you wear on your wrist which i'm kind of trying to show there we go um which is a smaller one and then you also even have like finger chaplet rosaries um, they've got rosary, they've got all sorts of different types. The one that we're most familiar with is D- the Catholic Dominican style rosary, but there's so many different kinds. Uh, you have a Franciscan crown rosary, uh, you have, uh, focusing, that focuses on the joys of Mary. They all have different prayers, different numbered, numbers of beads. One of them even has seven sets of seven, which focuses on the sorrows of Mary. Uh, the Servite rosary is what that is. I, I think that's a beautiful rosary actually there's one decade rosaries that you can do you can there are no rules (laughs) rosary is simply a tool by which you can essentially focus your magic focus your prayers focus your spiritual energy Focus your magic and build upon it. Each prayer builds upon the last until at the end you have all this energy and you can focus and direct it wherever it is that you need it to go. Uh, And that's how you can create things with your magic. That's a very powerful way to create the Santa Muerte. Um, But they work with all sorts of things. And the word bead comes from the English word B-E-D-E which meant prayer, it was also pronounced bead. Uh, So as you're praying these, essentially you're focusing on the repetition. You're allowing yourself to go into deep trance and accessing the powerful subconscious mind while the tangible process of moving, you know, from bead to bead to bead, it kind of places the body into a trance-like state. I even like rocking back and forth as I do it um, because it further places me in this trance-like state. It's a similar thing you'll see practitioners you know, repeating mantras or repeat, it puts you in a translate state. Um, And in that state, you are connected to the eternity of who you are and all the powerful things that you can access. And this is, prayer beads go back even further than 10,000 years ago. They were used in all sorts of things. Uh, And so on the rosary, you can pretty much work any kind of prayer beads that you'd like to. You can work a molly, just go around twice on the, the main you know and ending and beginning on the three-way connector and otherwise skipping it and you have 108 beads right there so you have a mala Um, you can do it a tasba. similarly you've got three sets of 33 and there's a way to count that out on the rosary in a way that doesn't take up a whole lot of brain power so you can just do it naturally Um, so i can work almost any type of beads that a prayer bead style that i want to on a dominican style rosary that you can buy anywhere and you can also alter it however you like to for any purpose um, you can take the bottom cross part off if it doesn't resonate with you and you can put an image of something worth it. You can put anything you want, anything that would normally go on a necklace you can put there. The three weight connector is a little harder, but especially if you're doing one that is a something that you tie, they have where you tie the three weight connector and it's just three beads, one at the bottom and two on either side. Um, so it doesn't have to be uh, something that is dogmatic again. And so it can really allow you to focus yourself. You can completely rewrite your energetics or the energetics of whatever it is that you're trying to focus on, thus creating change at a deep level, both within and externally as well. So it's it's pretty powerful and advanced magic, but you're able to do it on a rosary in a way that it doesn't feel so hard or difficult. It just is naturally building so uh pretty much anything you can use in a rosary the rope rosaries are the easiest the knot rosaries, string rosaries you can make them yourself i love finger rosaries uh on my bed because i can fall asleep with them and I don't have to worry about them harming me um oh, really so cute I-, I have a little I love one it. Like that and too. i take them with me on like hikes and things That's actually a a very nice thing to do as well. It can be in the mountains or uh, there's all sorts of Catholic churches that are really beautiful around here in Europe. I can just take it with me. Oh, there's a cool one. Hop in, pray a rosary, and I feel at peace and I can walk out. Or I can build to something. Or you can release things on a rosary. Um, I have one for panic. I I have so many rosary scripts that I've made. And I'll talk in a little bit about how to do your own. Uh, Because there are no rules, truly. When we work with Santa Muerte on a rosary, a lot of times, um, Mexican practitioners even, uh, they don't usually do prayers to Santa Muerte. Not traditionally. They would be prayers to Mary. They would be the prayers that you would pray in a Catholic church. But you would pray them for Santa Muerte or to Santa Muerte. I don't know when that started changing exactly, but people started making, you know, rosaries for Santa Muerte, you know, one of the most famous ones, and I don't even know where it comes from. I thought I found the book it came from, and I'm like, no, I guess this isn't it. La Santísima Muerte, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit to renew the face of the earth. And then you pray that our Santa Muerte will come for us all. Kind and gentle be your kiss. When you come to end my life, may I be free of any regrets. Thank you for this day, one more beautiful day, so I may have it to live, love, and laugh my own way. Amen. Glory be, holy death, blessed death, peaceful death. As you've been with me from the beginning, so are you with me now, and so will you be with me always. And then we keep going with these prayers, and they're based off the Catholic prayers. the Our Father, who art in heaven, our Santa Muerte, you know, the, and so you can base them directly off of those. I've made my own version that's directly based off of the Catholic rosary, where we take as many of the words that we can, keep them in the same order as we can, changing them for Santa Muerte and being very specific about how we do it. That was kind of fun. You can also take it in just whatever you want. You could just pray on this entire rosary, uh, the exact same prayer on every single bead, And that's fine. It doesn't matter. There really are no rules. But because of that, you can do all sorts of very cool magic on it. You can take the beads. These are um, and I'll just talk about the rosary for a moment. We have the cross or the item at the bottom, the representation, let's say, of whatever it is you're working with. If you don't want a cross, you can put a pentacle, you can put something worth you can put a rose, you can put uh, a circle, whatever you want. You could put a gemstone. It doesn't matter. It's just where you start. That's it. And it should help you to focus on what it is that you're trying to focus on. And then you have one bead uh, and that's the opening bead. I like to call that like where we start getting warmed up. You have three beads together and those are usually the Hail Marys. I believe uh, it's been a while since I've done a Catholic one. Our father, three Hail Marys. I believe that's true. Um, but yeah, so, you know, that those are your warm up prayers. And then the very next bead right below the three way connector is your first mystery bead. All the rest is on the loop part of the rosary, and you have four single beads there, plus the one single bead right beneath the three-way connector for five mystery beads. And aside from that, you have five different decades, we call them decans because they're ten beads. So five groupings of ten beads, um, and those are where you say, I call them the Deccan prayers. And I get real creative with those because you can raise a lot of energy. That way you can do petition magic on there. That's very powerful. Uh, You can do blessings, like just being thankful for five different blessings and just really get into how grateful you are as you're doing it. And then at the end, after you're done with all that trance work, essentially, uh, you end on that three-way connector. You go all the way around the loop and you're on the three you skip the three-way connector the first time around. They do some fancy things sometimes. They'll pray um, on the, the chain or the string that's in between the deccan uh, and the mystery beads. Sometimes you'll see that, especially in the Catholic style. Uh, here's one that's glass beads and it's got chain because a lot of times in the fancy Catholic stuff, you'll see it in the chains. Um, if you go to Mexico, you'll see more of the, you know, we're tying things together on string with with using the, it's a special type of knot that you use, but it's not magic. And doing that, you can really put a lot of magic into your rosary. Uh, if you work with knot magic <laughs> uh, or cord magic or any of this, you can do a lot of magic in one rosary and then pray on that rosary and you're charging it every time. Um, you can also take energy from the rosary. So there's a lot of, just as a sacred tool, there's so much that the rosary can do. For you, you can even wear it and it can give you protection or blessings if you need it. I've never done that, it feels weird to me. I know some people do. Um, and I do wear the wrist rosaries for specific things, so yeah, there's lots of different styles of rosaries and prayer beads, all sorts of things that you can do with them. And, and there are differences in rosaries as well. So I'm showing you the one that's the easiest to acquire. It shouldn't cost too much for you to find it somewhere uh, and you can alter it very simply, usually. That being said, there's there's this is the Dominican style. I recommend that. It's gonna be the easiest to follow along with. It's gonna be the easiest to navigate when you want to do, say, like I was saying, uh, a mala. pray Amala on here um, or pray Ms. Baha, Tazba, whatever. I know tricks to do this. This is great. This is what I teach in, in my classes on my Patreon and, and so forth, how to do those specific things. But there are people who sell a six Deccan rosary for Santa Muerte. And I don't know why they do six, because it's not actually one of her numbers. But you can do really cool things with that. You can, Santa Muerte, her number is is more like nine and 13, seven to a lesser degree, and to a much lesser degree, five and three. Um, So I try to divide when I do things like this up into things like that. Like I'll pray all nine beads of the Deccan and on this last 10th bead, I'll pray one prayer that charges it all. I love doing that before I move on, um, like a special charging prayer. Uh, I'll do five, which is you skip every other bead and you're praying for 10 beads, skipping every other bead, you get five. That's a nice quick way to do a fast rosary if you don't have time for a full one. Um, You can also do, if you want to do seven, one skip a deck in two skip a deck and three and then go back around skip a deck in one skip a deck and two and you have um five uh pardon me did i do that right Five. anyway you can do that different ways uh, to get seven uh, or to get nine or whatever I'd have to double check how I do that because um, it's actually been a while since I've done that specific one um, but there's different ways to do that if you're working with the number seven you can skip three beads at the beginning of the decan and then the rest you pray uh, so there's just all sorts of really cool things you can do with the five decan beads um, if you have a specific number that you work with Santa where they lot, like say nine you could easily do nine decans of nine beads they would be decans, I guess. I don't know what they would be called. Novenas maybe. Uh, But they'd be nine groupings of nine beads and with nine mystery beads. You could also do that. Uh, So you can make your own rosaries as well. And they're actually not too hard to make. So yeah, rosaries work well with focusing your magical intent and your magical energy while also bringing in the energies of the universe, such as other gods, goddesses, spirits, elementals, any other energies that you desire and it brings the energies of your subconscious mind on board and your body as well your limbic system and everything it brings it on board with your magical goals and workings Uh, so as such once you're familiar with the structure of a rosary then you can break down the prayers and you can substitute them for whatever you prefer in your own practice however you want to so it works really well for meditation for trance for worship fellowship with a deity for focusing intent and energy strengthening shields and psychic barriers for communing with the dead receiving messages from the dead, for performing ceremonial magic, for cleansing rituals, uh, and many more things. These are just some examples of what I personally have taught people how to do in my classes and workshops. So in this way, the rosary is a very powerful tool for focusing your spellcraft and intent uh, and power as a witch, or as a practitioner, or whatever you consider yourself to be.
0: So do you have any prayers you would like to share with us today? Sure. Um, Yeah, and so you can construct the rosary
1: script any way you'd like to. And um, I did do a specific rosary script for this workshop uh specifically. Um and I call Thank it the Santa Murte Rosary. Oh, absolutely. I, I enjoy doing these. I do these uh, for my patron, my patrons all the time. Um and so we're gonna talk about. Let me just pull up the map here. I made a map and I also made um this one's a very simple one. Anyone can follow along with it. Uh it's only got three prayers, it's got the opening. And it's got one prayer that's for opening and closing and also for the decans. So you have it for the cross at the bottom or whatever your representation is. You have it for each set of 10 beads, which that should be five if you have a Dominican rosary. And then the three-way connector, that's where you pray that. And so on my pictograph, those are the black beads um, in addition to the Santa Muerte image. And actually, you're seeing the exact rosary on that picture that I have right here. So, and that middle three-way connector. Uh, and then we have the extra, I call them the extra beads, and those are right above the cross, or in this case, the image of Santa Muerte. We have four beads until you get to the first mystery bead. Those four beads, and in the pictograph they're purple, uh, those four beads are going to be the extra beads prayer, the extra prayer. Um, and then you have the mystery bead prayer. And those are five beads uh, that are on their own. One is right beneath the three-way connector. The other four are going to be on the uh, part that would go around your neck, the circular part. Um, And so on that circular part, it's only those four mystery beads and the five decans. So it keeps it easy. Uh, And so that's how we do. So we start with the opening closing prayer. We go into the four beads of extra prayers, one mystery bead. And then we go back to the opening, closing prayer on the Deccan, mystery bead, opening, closing prayer on the Deccan, so on and so forth. So you hit the three-way connector, and you're also on that opening, closing prayer. It's the closing prayer. So that's the simple one I have, and it goes like this. This is the opening, closing, and Deccan prayer. O Santa Muerte, my my refuge within the darkness, open my heart towards you and your ways. Cleanse my spirit, making me receptive to your love and mysteries, and grant me communion with you. Amen. And then we would go into these four mis, uh, extra beads here. And this is the prayer for those. And you would say it four times. La Santissima Muerte, our bony mother, show me the light of your face. Open to me your secrets. Teach me your magic and wisdom and be my light to guide me down the paths that lead me closer to you. Then we get to the mystery beads, uh, the first one here beneath the three-way connector, and we would do, uh, this prayer's a little longer. Sometimes for the mystery beads, I make it real short and sweet. Sometimes I make it a little longer. Uh, sometimes we just do the deccan beads real short and sweet. It just depends, uh, but this one's a little longer. It let's you really sit in the energy. Santa Muerte, holy death, ignite the fire of wisdom within my heart so I may see the shadows throughout the darkness Kindling the flames with the light of your love for me. Show me the possibilities within. Help me to release my fears and bondage by turning to the light of love. And fill me with your power, granting me the courage to walk my path. And then we would go into the Deccans, O Santa Muerte my refuge within the darkness, open my heart towards you and your ways, cleanse my spirit, making me receptive to your love and mysteries and grant me communion with you. Amen. And we would say that 10 times before going again to the mystery bead and then 10 times mystery bead. And then we end on that prayer. I just did the Deccan prayer as well. So it's a really lovely rosary that helps to open you up to this time of devotion, I suppose. This is a great time. November is the, the season for Santa Muerte. Day of the Dead is her holiday. We call it her birthday, uh, but it, it's a joke. It, it's her holiday, basically. It's her big day. And so um, this is the time, the season of devotion with Santa Muerte. So if anyone was looking to start a practice with Santa Muerte, now's a great time. This rosary is great to really immerse yourself in that energy uh, with her as well. So some people do say that the I I know that this was another question on here. Some people say the 15th of August is a feast day. Some people don't. And I've heard actual practitioners from Mexico, from direct lineages, argue about it. Um, Most people say it's not. But there are some that really do practice that and have for a very long time. So who am I to argue? I, I personally feel that. If there's any place I can make fun of a good day for Santa Muerte, I'm going to do it. Like I'm going to honor her days, but um, I don't know. I make Christmas about Santa Muerte. I make everything about Santa Muerte. I don't see why not. If we can celebrate something, let's do so. So yeah, ways that you can use prayers, um, especially rosary prayers, you can use rosary prayers off the rosary um, and you can use them to basically feed her uh, and, and you can use them as petitions, as, as magic, even sacrifice uh gratitudes uh ways of meditating on her mysteries, her specific mysteries, ways of meditating with her um, there are ways to meditate on her her colors uh to meditate on her different symbols symbologies uh these types of things uh the rosary' is just a tool, and prayer is just a spell or an intention or an incantation however you want to say that helps to bring yourself in alignment with deity. And that's what we do when we pray the rosary. So uh, we structure it catholically, I guess you could say, on a rosary because it's technically Catholic, but it's really not nothing. There's really
0: no rules for it. You can do whatever you want. Um, um, I think that's a, a really good how- point. And I just wanted to thank you for uh, that beautiful rosary you shared with us and for um, taking the time to talk with us today. It was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Getting yes. yeah. to meet you and talk to you, and I hope you have a great day. To learn more about Santa Muerte, visit www.lunaeclipse.com. That's L U N A Eclipse.com. I also found the YouTube channels The Magical Rosary with Santa Muerte, Yanel Longoria, The Magic Couple, and Mysterious Leroy helpful when doing research for this episode.